what we do is to activate our spirit so that we can understand the word of God. The word of God is not understood by intellectual, you know, experience. Not in, not what is native to you is as the Holy Spirit speaks to you. It makes things clear to you. You get my point here. Uh, let me just give you a small testimony ahead with those one where young. We used to go to one fellowship at home. There was one woman in the village somewhere in the kitty. This woman is a farmer. Never went to school or anything. One day she went for a program and they said, she gave her life to Christ. They started teaching them and they said the name of Jesus does everything. That's what the woman understood. All this Greek and Hebrew, the woman knew nothing else. Her own was that the name of Jesus does everything. He said there was nothing this woman did not do. She was a farmer, a rice farmer. So she had her own rice plot. So people, of course, they used to do all kinds, you know, to control birds, you know, all these birds that, that the, the pests that destroyed their farms. So they, they do all kinds of things, including doing juju. So one day they told them to, all the farmers around said, let them go and contribute money to one man who will do this thing for them. They came and met the woman and said, all right, where's your own portion? He said, no, she doesn't contribute money for such things. That it is the name of Jesus that does everything. And that they should hear, in the name of Jesus, no birds will go to her farm. And the villagers testified. They did everything they had to do. Assuming her farm was number F on the block, the birds will eat on plot A, plot B, plot C, plot D, plot E. They get to F. They will jump over F and go to G. When they are done, they will jump back again. She was not the one that testified, though. It's the villagers that came and testified. Everything you told the woman, she told you, hey, that's not, a, that's not a problem. The name of Jesus does yes, everything. Yes, Those who spoke too much English, did you understand that portion of it? <laughs> so it's the Holy Spirit that gives us understanding, amen? amen? And that's why we do this. We activate our spirit to be able to receive from God when we begin to study. If you're ready, want to let us go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. I said amen. amen. I said amen. amen. Understand is your portion today in Jesus' name. Amen. Revelation will come to you today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Wisdom, which is the ability to apply a specific word into the area in which you need it, will come to you today in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. Please take your seats. Let's get into our study for today. All right, true service of God. That's what we have been looking at for the last uh, many weeks. Today is like the 16th day on that subject, true service of God. And I want to continue again uh, on it today. We are coming to a close. I think by next week we should be done with it. And last time we began to study specifically about how to give as service to God. And I remember I explained that that's a very important matter for us in today's Christianity uh, because you hear a lot of it being taught. And it's a very popular subject simply because now, this is what I want to say is bad, but I have to say it, okay? Simply because many people came into ministry just to go and to come and collect money. For that reason, they focus a lot on it. They do. Like I said the other time, 
if you find out that they start persecuting Christians again, maybe the number of false um, pastors um, will reduce, okay? But for now, we have to deal with a lot of it. So for that reason, people hear a lot of negative things. And the only way you can correct what is wrong is to teach what is true. You cannot correct what is wrong by every time going attacking that which is wrong. All right? You don't do that. What you do is that you teach people the truth. If they know the truth, it will be difficult for them to be you know, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. So that's what we need to do. We need to spend time again, okay, to teach people how do you give as a way of working for God so that they will know the right thing to do. Because many people, they have been taken advantage of. They have a good heart. They want to do what is right, but they don't know how to do it because nobody has taught them the proper way. And those who are teaching them the wrong things are saying them so emphatically that it's causing confusion for them. So we have a duty to teach what is right. So that's what we've been looking at. So last time I explained, let me just review for a few moments the things that are most important concerning that um, matter. One, I said motive counts with God. I talked about it extensively last time. I'm just going to say it briefly. Your motive counts with God. There are motives for giving that people have, which you have to be careful as Christians not to participate in. These are the ones that are wrong. Number one, giving so that you can pay off for your sins is wrong. God does not accept those sacrifices. You can't do that. If you are giving to God, it's for a different reason. I said that sacrifices can be unacceptable to God. The Bible says that God, as for Cain and his sacrifice, God did not accept. It was not pleasing to God. So we know that. So if you are giving because you want to pay off your sins, it is not acceptable. That's one. Number two, giving so as to attain righteousness. What I mean is that when I finish giving, God will look at me and know I'm a good child. Again, that is not acceptable to God. The one that is very popular, I wanted to leave it to last, but that's the next thing I have to say. And that is giving so that you can prosper. Again, that is not acceptable. I know that people hear so much of it and they think it's a normal thing, but it is not. As Christians, we don't give so we can prosper. We, our prosperity is based upon what Jesus did. What people prosper, read through the scriptures, because of a walk with God. Walk before me and be perfect and I will bless you. In all that he does, he prospers. How? His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in that law, he meditates day and night. That's how it is. That's the principle behind that. So let's bear it in mind. We don't give an offering because we want to get back. Please, this is so important. I say it. Because it's very common with Christians. If they want a million, they give a thousand. If they want more, they give some more. And people say that, listen, um, when you give, be sure that you produce. One man was preaching. He said that anytime he gives, I'll watch now for the harvest. That's not Christianity. Forget that thing. I don't care who it is that's preaching it. It is not Christianity. Stop wasting your money. Stop wasting your time. All right? If you want to be a giver, be a giver. I said these are the reasons that Christians give. Number one, because God has given to them. That's one. He gave us first before we can give back to him. We don't give him so he can give back to us. No, he gave us. That's why we can give to him. Go and read what Paul said in that Romans chapter 8 when he was explaining it. He made it very clear that we love because he loved us first. And he now said that if he freely gave us his only begotten son when we're yet sinners, how much more will he freely with him give us other things? Let's bear it in mind, okay? Why do we give as Christians? One, he has given to us. Two, we love God. Love is a fundamental basis for everything that we are doing. We said another thing, just to, make, just to add to it, we are givers. Is a nature, is a nature. He said, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. We know our heavenly father is a giver. He's a giver. That's what he is. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It's his nature. And if we are like our heavenly father, we will be givers exactly like him. These are the reasons why Christians give. We do not give because. Because listen, they're very important. Our motive comes with God. It comes. Let me say something I said the other time, just to repeat again for emphasis. And that's the fact that, listen, in life there are fields. There are false fields. What I mean by false fields is this. If I want to sow corn, corn, you know, corn, or, or, or cow peas, what you call beans, you know, stuff like that, or, or cassava, or whatever I want to sow, I don't sow it in a church. I don't sow it in the bank. Where do I sow it? On the farm, on the soil. It must enter into the soil. The soil is its field. If I want to multiply money, the field for multiplying money is business banking investments. That is a field. So if you say this 1,000 naira, how can I make it 10,000? We say, okay, let us go and be idiots and join MMM Nigeria. Are you getting my point? We can do that, to do that one. <laughs> but at least they are dealing in what? In money. Okay? So we can do that. We can, but then we can become more reasonable and say, okay, let us go to nature and buy... Um, Okay, let's just say, okay, let's go to uh, somewhere, go and buy Gary from the villages, bring to town and sell. And then we make a profit. We go back, buy more Gary. See, we are doing business now. We are doing business. Hopefully, if God prospers it, after a while, the money will no longer be a thousand. It will now become ten thousand. That's how you sow money. Now, when you want to now sow in spiritual realm, now that's the point. The seed in the spiritual realm is spiritual. You can't sow money to the spiritual realm and say it will multiply. That is a joke. It's very popular in Christianity, but it's a joke. What you sow in the realm of the spirit, it must be spiritual. And Jesus said it. He that shows mercy will obtain mercy. Mercy is spiritual. Are you getting my point here? Listen, it's a spiritual thing. Okay? He that honors me, he said, I will honor. That's a seed. That's a seed. You are getting my point here. Now, this is the truth about it. Those intangible spiritual things that want to sow into the realm of the spirit, they always wear a cloak. You get my point? For God so loved. Love, all right, is, is intangible. But how did we see the love? We saw his only begotten son who came and died for us. He didn't just pay lip service to his love. He demonstrated something tangible with his love. You get my point? But the real thing was what? His love. For that reason. If I say I love somebody, there is a tangible way it will express itself. If I say I'm honoring somebody, there is a tangible way it will express itself. For that reason, we're talking about giving now, so let me, guess, let me stay on it. So when I am giving, therefore, when I'm giving, it is not the money that's entering the realm of the spirit. It is the spirit behind it. It is the motivation behind it. And God said, we're reading last time from Jeremiah chapter 17. He said, I, the Lord, I check those things before I reward you. So that nobody tell you just giving. God doesn't see money. He sees why. He sees the state of your heart. He said, as for Cain and his sacrifice, God was not well pleasing. Are you getting my point here? He was not well pleased. He was not pleased with Cain and his sacrifice. That is, God looked at the heart of Cain, then looked at the sacrifice. Both of them, they go together. So when God looks at your heart and he says, I need money. Let me give. God said, listen, you are not giving. You are trying to manipulate me. And like I said the other time, God is not a principle. He's a person. God is not a principle. He's not a computer. He's not somebody if you press appropriately, he will respond predictably. That's not it. That's not what God is. God is a person. This is very important. When you come to him, he can see your heart. If you say, Lord, take. Human beings may not be able to see, but he is seen beyond your fist. He's seen beyond your hand. He's seen beyond your shoulders. He has opened your chest. He's looking into your heart. 
He's seeing what you are saying. If you are saying, I need a million, that's why I brought this 10,000. You will just push your hand and say, why don't you just ask for a million? I was teaching my wife today. I said, God does not make deals. God does not negotiate. Forget those things. You know, when we were children, we learned a lot of funny things. Let me tell you the truth. God does not make deals. He does not negotiate. You obey him. That is the beginning and the end. He doesn't make deals. You know, God, you know what I'm going to do? Every morning I'm going to wake up by 5 a.m. and pray to 7 and you will bless me. God said, okay, I don't like the deal. Go. People don't know that. You, if, you think because you opened your mouth and said that God must agree. Some of these deals we make, who told you that he accepted? I've told God, though, I said, did you bother to listen to what he said when you finished talking? I've ever said that, look, I've told God I'll be sowing like this every month. And I know by the end of the year, he will bless me. But God's okay, I don't like the deal. You know, I've been thinking about it. When it comes to sacrifices, I found out God, many of things reading the Bible, read it properly. There are things people do and God didn't like. You know, I thought about Jephthah. You know Jephthah that sacrificed the daughter? I tried to think about it. God never accepted that sacrifice. He woke up by himself, made a stupid vow. Let me tell you the best vow to make to God. Say, God, if you do this, I will worship. Just leave it like that. Be promising things that you, <laughs> you will not be able to do. You are just begging for trouble. God never asked Jephthah. The first thing that comes, you offer to me. He had told everybody the kind of sacrifices he liked. He had told them, time of Passover, this is my sacrifice. This is my trespass offering. These are my things. If you have an animal that delivers, and it's a male, and it's a first child, that's my own. He had quantified everything for them. All this giving God surprises. I keep on saying, God is not your wife. It's his birthday. Let me do a surprise party for him. He does not attend surprise parties organized for him. He doesn't like it. You must do things according to the prescribed order. I found out that God did not accept the sacrifice of Jephthah. Do you know how I found out? I read through the Bible. God didn't like human sacrifices. And I finally found out why, just a few days ago. You know why? They are always polluted. They are sinners. That's why he never accepted any human sacrifice. If he had killed Isaac, God would not have taken Why? He was human. He was a sinner. Polluted blood, God doesn't take that's why I expected the blood of animals. They don't, they can't sing. <laughs> listen, that's why he took it like that. Isaac's one was a test. Now, what am I going to say? So you see, God, you don't just decide for him what you want to do. He has his prescribed order. So when Jephthah got up, and decided that this is how I want to do it. Now I said, God doesn't make deals. If you see in the Bible, like it looked like he made a deal. He did not make a deal with anybody. Alright? The only thing that may look like a deal, he initiates it. You don't come up to him with a deal. You know, my wife and I were talking yesterday night. We were talking about Hannah. Hannah is one woman that has been thoroughly misunderstood. She said she promised God... His son, then God give that she'll give it back to him, him, and then God just started blessing her as a result. I read my Bible very well. I don't have time to talk about it, but I'll just drop something for you. When Hannah went in there, I am sure of one thing. 
She just connected with God. She was not making a deal with God. What am I going to say? Anna was there. She was desperate. And then at a point, you see, look, look, look through the scriptures. You see, there were a number of men, all right, that were born in a very interesting way. Their births were announced to the parents ahead of time. John, Jesus, Samson, Moses, I believe, and Samuel also. When Anna entered into the temple, that was the when, as she was praying, the Holy Spirit revealed to her, oh, please, listen to what I'm saying. Look, look, this is the truth. The Holy Spirit reveals to her, and she echoed the voice of the Holy Spirit, that you will have a son, and you will give him back to the Lord. It was not her promise. Because you will understand something. God already told them, all your firstborn sons are mine. What was new that you're telling me I'll give to the Lord? The Lord has claimed him before. It was while she was praying that the Holy Spirit helped her to understand that the Lord has answered your prayer. Now you are going to have a son, and that son will be a prophet. Then the truth, that was what happened with Hannah. That's why you don't find people going through the scriptures. Listen, he said, it's when you make it, but listen, Manoah's wife was also barren. When the Lord just stopped and the way, you're going to have a son. That's something. Same thing with um, Elizabeth. I'm going to emphasize something here. Please don't come and start making deals with God. You've made many. You've seen that's not worked. You promised God wants to give me that car. I'll be carrying preachers all over town. It's been six years now. <laughs> He hasn't answered you. He hasn't answered. You know why? He doesn't make deals. People don't get it. I pray you'll get it. He answers his children. That's what he does. You make your request to him. You don't make a deal. Then you go ahead and you start obeying him. And you obey him whether there's a promise attached or there's no promise attached. Obedience is constant. It's part of your life. You don't do things to, for God and say, listen, for this one you have done, you do this one back to me. I've seen people preach before, say, as you are doing, be telling God, see you, because I'm not looking. Is it false? What is it that you want that Jesus hasn't paid for? What is it that you want that I have not yet promised? Please get used to just obeying me and leave it there. Please, all this, what I'm saying is very clear. Listen, you don't just wake up and just tell God, say, okay, I'm going to do it like this, you will respond like this. God just says, okay, I don't like that agreement. Better go and find out that what, what I have said. This is how you get things done in your life. Listen, as a believer, activate promises. What did I say? Activate promises. Say louder. Activate promises. Thank you. Activate promises. He has said something about everything in your life. About your health, he has said something. He doesn't need your seed. He has said something. The Bible says the seed is the word of God. He has said something. About your prosperity, he has said something. About long life, he has said something. About fulfillment of your destiny, he has said something. About your having a wife or a husband, he has said something. About childbearing, he has said something. He has said, he has said something about everything in your life. About safety, he has said something. And all his promises are activated how? By faith. They are activated by faith. Every word of faith you find inside the scripture has its own responsibilities. Just put those things together, alright? Obey them, and you're fine. Anything you want in life, please, I'm begging you today, don't jeopardize your life. Listen, don't think, listen, Jephthah, Jephthah did not know things would go like that. 
And I believe that God put him there for us so that we will learn a lesson. After activating promises, what do you do? The other part of your life is you are faithful in everything. We said the other day, there are two sides to life. <laughs> in fact, the two people that caused the problem, they are here. The two apostles, the radio. I went on air, people were fighting you people. That when you said we are, we are servants or slaves, and people said, no, we are sons. I said, what is all of this? He said, we are not sons, we are not, we are not slaves, we are sons. Listen, don't let anybody deceive you. You are a slave of Christ, amen? amen. And Paul introduced <laughs> I don't know for people. All these new, when people are generally, you know, they, are not, they don't want to be responsible. Raising shoulder, pride, I'm a son, not a slave. We, I mean, we read all the scriptures that day. I must have read more. How many did I read that day? I forgot. I kept on reading different ones. Different translations. Paul, a born slave of Christ Jesus. Peter called himself that. James called himself that. They all called himself that. Who is this more than 2016 Christian? <laughs> He's afraid to be a slave of Christ. The problem that Christians don't understand is that you can be a son and a slave at the same time. It's, there are two types of sons we saw. There are seven sons and there are prodigal sons. And, and life is like that. It's automatic. If you are not a seven son, you will be prodigal. There's no third option. What is a seven son? Somebody who understands that I have my privileges as a child, I know. As a child in the home, as a heir of God, I have my privileges. However, at the same time, I have my responsibilities. And when it comes to working for my father, I don't differ from the servants. That's what he said. And that was why the, the elder brother of the prodigal son said, All these days have I saved you. Neither did I ever transgress any of your commandments. That was a saving son. Paul said concerning Timothy, He has served with me in the course of this gospel as a son serving his father. Go and see what God said in Malachi. He said, I will spare them like a man spares his own son that serves him. Not just all his children, the one that serves him. That's what he said. The child of God that holds on to a son, a son, a son is incomplete. It's not even half complete. Less than half complete. The completeness of your existence is not that you're a son of God. No, it is that you are a born servant of Christ at the same time, a slave. And that's why Paul described himself. Paul never came and said, Paul, a son of God. You just, there are words you'd never heard Paul use. There are words we carry around. It almost becomes pride. He didn't say Paul get up and start bragging on his sonship. He bragged every time on the fact that he was a born servant of Christ. He would tell you, none of these things move me. Neither did I count my life as dear unto myself. Why? I want to fulfill the assignment that God gave me in this life. That's how, that's how servants think. Now, why did I go into that again? Everything you need in life, God has supplied as a son. But he has also given you responsibilities as a servant. And listen to me. I'm giving you the word of God. He forbids you from using your performed duties as a servant to claim rights in his presence. He doesn't allow that. He said, this is how good servants behave. They say, we are unworthy servants. Unprofitable, I want to say. 
King James said, we are unprofitable servants. We have only done that which we are supposed to do. The word unprofitable doesn't mean we are useless. It just means that there is no profit for us in what we have done. I have only done what I'm supposed to do. So what if you need something? You look for the promises that he has given to children. You need healing. Healing we know is the children's bread. You don't mix the two. You don't come and say, Lord, you know, I, I, I was among those who broke ground. We went to that remote village for evangelism. So God says, okay, I've heard so. For that reason, find me small money there. <laughs> they will find you a small flog in there. When you come and talk about your work in evangelism, you will say, Lord, it was great. Do you have other villages you want us to go to? That's where the discussion ends. Go and look at what happened. That's how the disciples came. They said, ah, it was good though. Demons were flying out. Man, I laid hands on one guy. He's migraine of 15 years. I felt it in my hand. Lord, is that how you feel when you are praying for people? He said, Lord, hey, so we are finished with uh, Judea. Where else? We're thinking of, should we start moving to Samaria? He said, no, 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 not yet for Samaria. Where else? He said, come aside and rest for a while. They were ready to move. You are getting my principle here. They were ready to move. So if you have ever to go to the Lord to say, I have done something, you are careful to end with, Lord, I hope we did it well. Is there another thing you want us to do? So you give an offering, 50,000 naira. Say, Lord, thank you. I saw when I give them that money, I saw the joy on their faces. Lord, it is good to be useful. And the money I have still remains that hundred. Is there anybody else you would like me to give to? Don't follow this lie that will preach into this Christianity. You will now say, God, as I give you the 50,000, <laughs> I claim right now. Because they claim, are they, go, are they here? <laughs> I claim 500,000. <laughs> if God wants to disgrace, you know what he will do? He will, one stingy brother in church will stand beside you and say, Father, can I, can I have 10 million? And God will give him. Say, Lord, he didn't sow a seed. Say, I don't need the seed like that. The seed is the word of God. He read the Bible yesterday. And I stirred up faith in his heart. That said, whatever you require, just ask the Lord in my name. And he came in the name of Jesus. See, I've given him. Say, Lord, I only ask you to multiply my seed tenfold. You know one drugs. <laughs> No, you don't do the law like that. You don't. When you have done something, you come to him and said, we are unprofitable servants. Unprofitable doesn't mean you are useless. It means that what I did is not for my personal profit. Listen, I want to dare somebody here. Tomorrow, give three times what you have ever given before. Whatever. We won't be open tomorrow, so I'm not raising offering here, as you can see. Tomorrow, give three times what you have ever given. And say to the Lord, thank you for that privilege. It feels good. I want to say another one that excites somebody. End of this month, see it's November. So the first week of December. Collect your salary. And spend everything buying Christmas gifts for people. Go through this Christmas broke. Yes. You go hungry a bit and say, Lord, so nice to be hungry for you. Say, Lord, I'm not claiming anything. I just want to show that I can do it. Thank you for the grace to do it. And please don't expect any miracle. I forbid you from expecting a miracle. Because I want us to forget this investment mentality. Let's 
derive joy in serving God. That's what I'm trying to say. Let's derive joy. I told him once a brother came to me after, after a church service. He said, sir, I want to ask you a question. He said, this is, I've noticed that when I give, yeah, let me teach. I get happy. I'm excited. He said, am I all right? <laughs> yeah, he wanted to know. So I said, let me ask you a few questions. Do you brag about it to anybody? He said, no. Do you go to God to make claims based on what you have done? He said, no. I shook his hand. I said, congratulations. You just got saved. I said, now you're a child of God. That the doing of good excites you. Ah, you are into the kingdom. Don't let anybody tell you. Once you give, you start watering your seed with your words. In the name of Jesus. It's producing harvest for me. He did it. it was dead when you sowed it. Don't lie. This real seed, I told you, is what? The word of God. That's what Jesus said. Let's never forget it. As believers, there are two sides to our lives. There is a sonship side. On that sonship side, we, make, we claim anything. Normally, in that one, we claim what we did not work for. We claim what Jesus worked for. You didn't work for your salvation, you claim it. Did you work for your salvation? By grace, you have been saved through faith. Not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, lest any man should boast. That's sonship. You don't work for your healing, you claim it. I want to digress. What did I say? Master digressor, he has come again. You know, I'm trying to help the people of God. Don't claim your healing on any other basis than what Jesus has done. Don't say, Lord, not that I have been jogging, my heart to be fit. I've told you men have died jogging. Athletes have collapsed on the field and they were buried. It was not joke, not demo. Now that I have lost weight, I will be fit. What I want to say to you now will excite some of you. You will laugh, not that this man has come again. You know, let me give you my credentials. For years, I said cholesterol is a lie, right? Though it's cholesterol. This year, the Lord was vindicated in my life. There's a new one I found out today. Actually, I heard it some time ago. One, one of our brothers here, Father, something to me today. There's what they call the obesity paradox. It's been found out now that people who are slightly overweight are actually healthier than slim people. <laughs> she has been warning you people. <laughs> she has been warning you. I learned that expression, I think, yesterday, today. I laughed. This is research going on. They have checked the fact that <laughs> Lepar does not improve your life. If you are Lepar by, by, by nature, by faith, the faith will bless you. The Lepar is not any advantage to your soul. Okay, Nano? You are not guessing. <laughs> Listen, I know what I'm telling you. All this aggression, I see them around the corner. I'll be laughing. I said, This one has not prayed this morning. It's joking. This one has not fasted. It's joking. This one has not blessed the Lord. It's joking. I want to live long. God said, Get away from there. If you want to live long, kneel down. Let's talk. <laughs> Listen, you don't go to God. I said, Oh, you're making claims? It's purely what Christ did. And that's the most important message I have for this season. Let's remember our Christ again. You don't add anything to him. 
Just come to him, Lord, be merciful to me. I'm saved by grace. I was a sinner. That is, there's nothing I've done that deserves anything. You know, Jesus died. Is that not so? You are the one that sent him, not me. Now that he has died for me, all the things that he said I can have, can I have them? <laughs> Almost with a little bit of arrogance. I'm telling you. That is like, I know it's not me. It's you. I came to collect what you offered. I'm here. The one is working time, we work and don't demand anything. If God says, sell all you have and give to the poor, there's no guarantee he will multiply it. Let me emphasize this again. The principle of sowing and reaping, I think I need to emphasize that, is a law of life. It's a law of life. We just need to know how to sow the right seeds and into which areas. And like I said to us before, listen, when we sow into the realm of the spirit, we sow spiritual seeds. When God wants to produce a harvest, he decides how he wants to do it. It's not yours to decide. You cannot predict what he will use to reward you. A woman took care of a prophet. She showed honor. She didn't show a house or a room. She showed honor. He said, I perceive there is a holy man of God that's passing by us here every day. To the husband, let's set up a small guest room for him. He doesn't have to look for a hotel anytime he comes to town. When he comes, he'll stay here, take his meals here. This woman so honored Elisha. Elisha said, what can we do for her? To let you know that she was not expecting anything, she came to him and said nothing. That woman saved Elisha, expecting nothing in return. The man said, let's use our political connections. Prophets have been very, very influential people for a long time. Should we talk to the captain of the host? Say, I live amongst my people. What do you want? I want nothing. I did what I did because I recognize that your God is a true God, that you're a true prophet of the true God. That's all. Then she left. It was a prophet's servant that now pointed out that she doesn't have a son. And the prophet said, oh, that's my specialty. Call her back here. If we're even talking about seed and reaping, what she sowed was honor. And then God honored her in return. You can't sow dollar and expect to reap dollar. You can sow dollar and reap poverty. Yeah. I've said before, I believe the time has come that God will stop all this nonsense insulting of his name. He's tired of it. I'm speaking like a prophetic person there. Next time people harass him anyhow, he will disgrace him. God doesn't just play. He doesn't joke. He told Jeremiah, when they scare you, if you run, I will destroy you. That's what he told Jeremiah. So when they tell him that we are going to deal with you next time you come here, better go back there. Yeah, that's what he told Jeremiah. I have put my word on your lips. He said, I've made your face strong. Your head, eh, I've made it hard. So don't be afraid of them. Otherwise, I will disgrace you before them. That's what he told Jeremiah. I think the time has come that one will make stupid promises in his name. He will make sure that both the promiser and the promisee are disappointed. <laughs> and the story I've told here many times, a brother wrote us a meal. He was thoroughly confused. What was his confusion? He had done everything they told him to do so he can get the new job he wants. He has sown his seed, wrapped his seed with a mantle and anointed it and did everything. The day 
the result for the new job he was looking for came out was the day he lost the old one he had. He didn't get the new one. He lost both ways. That's when he wrote. So what will I do? <laughs> we replied to him and said, you see, God has now saved you. He has delivered you from wrong doctrines. If you had given what you were asking for, you would have said, I got this by the strength of my principles for the glory of my knowledge. <laughs> yeah, that's Nebuchadnezzar's spirit. To the ones I was somewhere, one brother was saying that his business, people are wondering how he's doing it. So they don't understand the, the principle of covenant. I said, which covenant did you make? Say, I bought a keyboard for a church. I wonder how plain it to be sounding in his name. <laughs> I'm not joking. I looked at him. I didn't know how to tell him that you are very, very foolish. Oh, foolish Galatia, who has bewitched you to think that playing keyboard in a church is producing results in your life? Enough of that nonsense. It's enough. We want from God, we claim as children of God. We come and say, Jesus died for us. This is the grace of the Lord Jesus. He was rich, yet for our sakes, for our sake, he became what? Poor. That we, through his poverty, might be made rich. We are rich not because of what we did, but because of what he did. But anytime we are doing in life, we are doing because we are born servants of Christ. He said he died for all, so that those who live will no longer live for themselves. But for him who died and rose again on their behalf. When we are living, we are living for him. That's what we are talking about. So that's what we are looking at. So, I just need to go over that again. So as believers... Our giving is for a very, very different reason. We give, like I said, let me go by it again. Giving is our nature. It's a sign of our faith. A cheerful giver, please go and read my track, cheerful giver. A cheerful giver is a person who does not hold on to money, but knows that my future, my destiny, my supplies is in God. All these things are in God. It's not based on what I have. It's a man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. I know my supply is from every word. So if demand is made of the cash in my hand, I'm not afraid to release it. That's a cheerful giver. I'm not afraid to release the cash. Why? My destiny, my supplies, these things are not dependent on my cash. That's what God is teaching Christians. That's why they are cheerful as givers. That's why we give. We give because we love God, which is faith in Him anyway. We give simply because we love the places we are supposed to give to. Like I was saying last time, if you claim to love the gospel and you are not giving towards the propagation of the gospel, you are lying. I meant that lying thing. No. It's a lie. There is, it's not possible to love without giving. That's how it is. So, that's it. That's why we give. We, we truly love. We truly love. So we give. Loving is part of us. So giving is an expression of our love. That is why you cannot give because you want to get. Otherwise, that wouldn't be love. That would be selfishness. The seed that is behind the substance in that situation is selfishness. It's not the spirit of love. And Paul said in Galatians chapter 5, walk by the spirit of love and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. I know he said that because read that whole book of Galatians. He first explained to them, love is the basis of the whole law. He now said, walk by the spirit. He was speaking specifically about the spirit behind the law. And he says love. That's why we give. We don't give because of ourselves. We give because of the person we are giving to. We give because of the cause we are giving to. If we have needs, we ask him in faith. Please, I need to dwell on this some more. The father said, 
no, Jesus was speaking. He said, ask the Father in my name. Let's talk about the meaning of asking in somebody's name. In his name means the basis of your approach is me. Ask the Father on the basis of my person. Not on the basis of your work. Anytime we go to God and we are having something in our minds, which is what we have done, we are taking from the name of Jesus. We are removing from the name of Jesus. If we have something else in our mind, apart from what he did. In this season, Christ must be magnified again. He must be magnified. In churches, we have taken too much of him away. We have magnified principles. We have magnified principles too much. God is a person. The approach to him is called Jesus. Don't ever forget that. Never forget it. So when I'm looking at this, what I intend to go into, all right, is where do we give and we say we are giving to God? Very important. Let's read the scriptures, then I'll revise that, and then we'll pick it up from there. Matthew chapter 25. Let's just take this like our text of today. Matthew chapter 25. Let's start from 31. I'll rush so as to get to the place I really want. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another, as a shepherd, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right, and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now listen to this. Please, I want you to follow this very closely. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then, now let's notice. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or naked and close you. When did we do all of these things? Let me just jump to verse 40. The king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Let me stop here. If you read verse 40, 40 41 and, below, uh, and further down, he just reversed this same thing. He said, you did not do these things. And I said, when did we see you and we refused to do these things to you? And he said, it was not me you thought you were doing these things to. It was the least of my brethren. Now, what I want to bring out from there, you will notice that the people that did the things that mattered did not know when they did them. Did you hear what I said? Yes, sir. The people that did the things that mattered did not know when they did them. And the people that did the things that were evil did not even know when they did them too. Listen, let's digress again. Make the doing of good a habit. You don't know when it's being counted. I am certain of what I want to say. Once you deliberately give an offering for a purpose, it cannot count. It will defeat the scripture. You will make the word of God of no effect. The things that count, people who do them don't know when they are doing them. Why did I read this? Last time I said something, when, when I'm giving, how do I give to God? 
The common mindset is, which we pastors often preach, is unfortunate because it's not correct. We make it appear as if when you want to give to God, it has to be church, offering basket, ministry, stuff like that, or man of God. Now, let me really say this. Those things are correct, but that's not the whole. That's just a part. That's what I want to first, I want to first establish. I am not saying don't give offering in church. I'm not saying don't give to ministries. I do all of these things because they are right. But I want to emphasize to Christians that they must not be hypocrites. That's what I want to emphasize. It is idolatry if we think that's just the one that God counts. I read this to let us know that the Lord that we are serving, many times we encounter him, we don't even know we encountered him. You know, on social media, these things, a lot of things fly around. One of these things that I read the other day, I mean, it's so beautiful, all right? It's on my phone, but I don't have the phone here. They say a woman received a letter from the Lord and said, I will be visiting you, let's say, tomorrow 20th, I'll be visiting you. So the woman said, wow, the Lord is coming. So she ran to go and prepare to receive the Lord. Let me go and prepare something. And it was a cold day. So she wore her coat. I ran to the market to go and buy things. The Lord left a note for her. So on her way back home, had her groceries, a little bit of money. It was a cold day. She saw a man and his wife. And they asked her, please, uh, whether she, he could help, she could help. She said, oh, no, sorry, let me, not, let me just get the meat of the story. I can't remember the details. But she had a bit of money with her, a bit of stuff, maybe things she had bought. And I explained to the man, I'm sorry, I don't have anything. I'm expecting the Lord tomorrow, and I'm spending all the money I have to take care of him. But as she was, as she was leaving, something had just said, but this man looks stranded. He needs money. So the money wanted, she wanted to go and used to buy stuff for the Lord. She gave him most of it. And then look at the woman that was nearby. I said, who's that? I said, that's my wife. She's kind of cold. Ah! And the woman said, she's cold. It's quite cold, though. And she remembered that she had another coat at home. So she removed the one she was wearing and gave to the woman. Now she had only little money to shop for the Lord. So she did a little shopping she could and went back home. Next day, waiting for the Lord, the Lord didn't show up. She saw another note. And the Lord said, it was nice, nice meeting you again. Thank you for the money. And that coat was very helpful. Did you get the gist? Thank you for the money. And that coat was very helpful. That is, the Lord just disguised himself as two people. So she gave the Lord money and gave the Lord a coat and went back home to wait for the Lord. Are you getting the point? That is a lesson of life. When Abraham entertained him unawares with two angels, it was unawares. He did not know. That tells me that most of the ones we do, I'm not saying they are bad. But it is not our habit. Those targeted ones we do. I need a miracle. Let me sow into the life of a man of God. Waste of money. I shouldn't be the one saying, you know, I'm a man of God. Offerings taste very nice. In fact, let me tell you the truth. <laughs> Apostle, why are you laughing? <laughs> you know, you're a man of God. When you're a preacher, let me tell you the truth. Offerings taste differently. He has a different taste. If I work hard 
I get maybe I get to do a job and all of that, and they pay me, and I get a million as an example. It's nice, amen. amen. But as a preacher, if somebody you bless give you ten thousand naira, it tastes differently. There was a time I told my wife, if they give me drink, nobody should open it before I get there. <laughs> if you not want drink, go buy. But if they say, man of God, this is one pack of juice for you. I want to personally sanctify that juice and drink the first fruit of it. You <laughs> know when I told you in your house one time? Told your wife, say, hey, 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 all these uh, baskets I bring home, don't touch anything until I arrive. No, there's, there's something about it. I'm telling you the truth. It, maybe you just feel so... Maybe you just feel loved. You feel appreciated. That's something about it. So I'm not saying it's bad. It's very, very good. But I'm just telling Christians, be careful. Be careful. Don't make that thing an idolatrous trust matter. Don't give to the man of God when you have not given to a hungry friend. And you think you will be blessed. You will not be blessed. Let's get it clear. Your father can't be swearing for you every day. You know, pigeon English. They swear for you. He says, this is my son. He don't go better for him. And then you come and give offering to me. You think I can revoke the blessing. I can't. I can revoke the curse. I can't. I don't have enough power for that. You join everything together. I will talk about it as we are going, if I can get it today. How to apportion money. Because if you are not a regular giver, if giving is not a habit, you now come to give to a man of God, a pastor, a prophet. Think you reap, you reap something. Know the truth, you won't reap anything. You are, you, are, you are an idolater. You must first be a giver before your giving counts. Did you hear that? He said, as for Cain and his offering, God accepted Abel and his offering. It is the man that is accepted first before the gifts that he brings. That's why Christians, make sure you are a giver. 